Well, hello, this is Bob Bell, President Emeritus of Tennessee Tech University, and we take a very broad view of education issues, and our guest today is John Bell, who is Executive Director of the of the Cookville Regional Hospital Foundation. Uh, John, tell us about your background and about what you do at Cookville Regional Medical Center Foundation. Oh, yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, born and raised here in Cookville, of course. Uh, it's a wonderful community to be in, Cookville High graduate. I moved away for a few years to University of Tennessee in Knoxville and enjoyed my time there and then came back to Tennessee Tech for a uh, MBA and a uh, uh, fabulous school, of course. Yeah, go Tech. Tech. <laughs> go Tech. Um, and then moved to, back to Knoxville for about 10 years uh, and then have been home here in Cookville for uh, right at five again. So good to be back in the Upper Cumberland. And back at home. Well, that's great. Well, tell us about what you do at the foundation. Sure. The uh, uh, Cookville Regional Charitable Foundation is primarily focused on raising funds to assist patients in need. Uh, so our, our bread and butter is uh, helping patients who are struggling right here in the Upper Cumberland community uh, from about a 16-county region. So we help a number of cancer patients, heart patients, diabetes patients, and many other patient groups. But our secondary purpose is to look at the... Uh, the needs of the Upper Cumberland community itself. And oftentimes that dips into the realm of community education. It does indeed. Um, so we, we have a variety of events that uh, try to uh, uh, bring some information to different community groups, um, whether that's a heart education for women or that's a, a hospice conference or many other uh, kind of community events. Or uh, we have a number of programs where training is kind of a, the priority. We have a Carmen's Fund, which is focused on providing free CPR, AED, and uh, first aid training. Um, and then um, we have uh, just recently partnered with Imagination Library to supply uh, pre-K children uh, with free books uh, from birth until age five. And many of those children sign up for that program, that free program, uh, at the hospital uh, before they are discharged. So we're thrilled to partner with Dolly's Imagination Library for that program as well. Well, that's great. You've got a lot going on. And I know recently you partnered with Tennessee Tech to, with the iCube or the uh, uh, Virtual Reality Center at Tennessee Tech to, to produce an, a, a diabetes education application. Can you talk a little bit about how that partnership worked and, and sort of what this app does? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, I mean, uh, the only way any of us are successful, of course, is collaboration. So having the hospital work with uh, with Tennessee Tech is just a, a natural thing, and we do that in a number of ways. Um, we've done that for uh, uh, through the nursing school and for some of our education opportunities. But this one came up um, um, really; it, it just evolved unto itself. We were looking at some expanding diabetes opportunities for children. Um, with our partnership with um, Vanderbilt Medical Center, and I'm thrilled to say they have expanded their services here into our community with uh, some specialized care uh, for uh, for children with diabetes, and they do that just a couple blocks from the hospital, and we're thrilled that they're here. Uh, that's a specialty that Cookville Regional does not have, so we, we very much welcome that, that capability. But out of the discussions of, of that, that expansion, um, we begin speaking with uh, with Tennessee Tech about um, a project they were interested in doing. The the iCube folks have been developing some initiatives statewide. Um, they've done some uh, 
safety for uh, vehicles focused on a uh, seatbelt um, use for children. And uh, they've gotten into some, um, um, opioid prevention education recently uh, with the health departments and whatnot. So they're, they're really focused on, on statewide uh, initiatives if they can. But we got interested in, in what they've been doing for mapping of heart. And they, uh, they had built a three-dimensional model of a heart, and you could see it working. And what's amazing about the, the iCube there, uh, which is in uh, uh, the Volpe Library upstairs, uh, if you go inside, you put on these three-dimensional goggles that uh, a lot of folks that have an Xbox will recognize now, um, and you can walk into this uh, cave, I guess they call it. Uh, it's basically a small room, and you can see all around you whatever this image is that they're they're projecting. So gave you an opportunity to walk inside the heart and see how blood flows and what different ventricles look like and whatnot. And it got some of our, our team thinking at the, at the hospital, uh, at the uh, diabetes center, we, they were mentioning they really struggle to explain the long-term effects that diabetes has on the body. It's a very slow-progressing thing. And uh, when you've got a patient in front of you and you're talking about you know, the 10-year effect or the 15-year effect of some of the lifestyle choices they're making, that's, that's hard to visualize. So they wanted to uh, potentially create a way to show uh, what different segments of the body would look like as diabetes progresses. Uh, so they took the foot and the eye and um, uh, kind of the uh, some of the internal organs and uh, made a visual map of what that looks like. Uh, and it's a pretty impressive thing. And uh, it took about a year for this to develop. And uh, the folks at iCube spent time interviewing um, uh, partners with the health department and the nursing school and the diabetes center at Cookville Regional and they've come up with a wonderful project. You can go to iCube at Tennessee Tech and see it in that three-dimensional setting. Or you can actually download um, a version of it on your iPad or your, uh, your cell phone uh, through the iTunes store. And it's all free. So uh, they've come up with a really cool project. And I'm pretty proud of what, what they were able to accomplish. They are indeed doing great work. We're talking with John Bell, Executive Director of the CRMC Foundation. John, I've been in the iCube and watched eight-year-olds look at that diabetes app and uh, watch them just sort of marvel at at the at what they can see in the body. Uh, clearly, that's an educational uh, step into the future to be able to to teach them by by showing them what their body looks like and and how this works. Uh, where do you see it going from here? Yeah, the um, uh, even though it's it's taken some time to develop, I've actually just pulled it up on my phone so I can <laughs> look at it in a little more detail. Took you about ten seconds to yeah, pull it up. Yeah, really quick. So you can go to the iTunes Store and search for diabetes in your body, and make that free download so you can see what we're talking about for that uh, that free app uh, that allows you to see your brain, your heart, your eyes, and your feet in different stages of diabetes progression. Uh, gives you some risk factors for each of those, and you can see uh, uh, kind of the, the physiological changes uh, that occur in those, those body segments uh, at, at different stages of diabetes. Um, the, the folks from iCube will uh, very shortly be um, um, speaking with the staff at the Diabetes Center at Cookville Regional and kind of doing a, a Q&A training uh, with them on this app and how to approach patients with it. And then they may uh, end up... Um, 
making some updates to it based on the feedback they get on how well patients receive uh, the information. So uh, for, for 2018, it will be a work in progress uh, as patients react to the app and, and they make any necessary changes. Well, it's an exciting uh, opportunity and also just a great partnership between Tennessee Tech and and. Cookville Regional Medical Center, the School of Nursing, and iCube. And uh, we should mention Vanderbilt and their work uh, bringing this this uh, pediatric diabetes uh, unit up to Cookville. I know they serve young folks here in Cookville that come from all over the region, including southern Kentucky. So uh, rather than having to drive to Nashville, this uh, – Pediatric outreach uh, can help teach kids here and help uh, serve those kids from a medical perspective rather than making their parents take a day off from work and go all the way down there. It's a great outreach program. Now, you mentioned Carmen's Fund. Talk a little bit about uh, what the foundation does with Carmen's Fund. Sure. Carmen's Fund has existed for some time, but uh, uh, came under the umbrella of the foundation just a few years ago. And uh, Carmen's Fund provides free AED, CPR, and first aid training um, twice a month. We have classes at the foundation office uh, every other Tuesday. And uh, folks can sign up online at carmenburnett.com and uh, just put in your email information and come to one of those free trainings. So um, anyone in the Upper Cumberland anyone can, in the Upper can Cumberland. dial you up and, and come get some free CPR education. That's correct. We have all the uh, the AED trainers and the uh, CPR mannequins. Um, we have uh, uh, we're just starting to uh, do training with tourniquet kits and compression dressings. Uh, we've got a lot of interest in that from from churches and other groups. Uh, so it's it's an evolving thing, but the goal is to prepare our community to respond to emergency situations, and uh, we just think it's a great thing to do. Um, all of our instructors are. Uh, uh, trained in, in American Heart and Red Cross and other uh, certifications, and many of them are EMS uh, representatives themselves. So we've we've got some great folks that are involved in in the training uh, of those classes. Uh, so encourage folks if if you've never had one and you're, you've been scared off by some of the fees you've seen elsewhere, you can you can receive that for free at CarmenBurnett.com. And I'm excited this this year we are beginning to branch out uh, in traveling with that program to. Uh, to each county in the Upper Cumberland. So each month we will be um, picking a church or a community center of some kind in each county in the Upper Cumberland and traveling with instructors uh, and inviting folks within that community to come out and, uh, and get trained for free. So we are looking for uh, uh, churches willing to host those classes or uh, uh, schools willing to open up. Uh, many school systems are interested because, of course, they want their uh, – they're teachers trained. <laughs> That's a good thing for teachers to know. And um, uh, if you get that training elsewhere, sometimes there's fees associated with it, and we're happy to offer that to, uh, to teachers for free. Well, that is outstanding. We're going to take a break. This is Education Issues. We are talking with John Bell, Executive Director of the CRMC Foundation. And, John, we were talking before the break about uh, the Carmen Fund and and heart education and the use of AEDs. And I've been through that training, but tell everyone what an AED is and what this training will do. 
Yeah, an AED is is basically what you use to shock somebody <laughs> yep. when they're uh, in the stages of, of cardiac arrest. Uh, it's an automated external defibrillator. So all those things you see on movies where they pull the box off the wall and they have the two pads and they pop them on your chest there and they twitch for a minute. <laughs> uh, that's that's an AED. And uh, they're, they're becoming um, much simpler to use than they once were. They are. I know at our church, we've sent a number of people at our church through that kind of training. And we have a number of AEDs hanging on the walls down there. It's a, it's a quick training. Uh, many of the AEDs now have a step-by-step guide where you turn them on and they talk to you and say, do this, now do this, now do this, now press the button. So uh, it's it's a step-by-step thing, but it's still good to know all that before you get into the situation where you might need it. But uh, all, all the research says if you can respond quickly, if you know someone is, is in the, in the, uh, or having a heart attack actively, if you can get that thing and get them to them where they really need it, um, then you're good. Now, these AEDs aren't just something you pop off the wall and you, you automatically shock somebody. They have sensors on them. So you put them on their chest. The AED tells you whether you need to be shocking them or not. So it's something uh, folks do worry about. Oh, I'm going to put it on there and I'm going to kill them. Well, the AED is going to tell you what to do. It does have that, that capability. So It's uh, not just a set of jumper cables. It's not just jumper the- cables. That's right. <laughs> Well, that's great, and I know that the AED response, uh, obviously, you you assign someone to call 911 if you're using an AED. Yes, and the AED the actually time. tells you to do that. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's a great part of the overall heart education program that's going on in our region where uh, we've had a thing called Code STEMI that uh, all of the emergency medical technicians know about. And the idea is to get that patient into that hospital, into that operating room within an hour. And certainly in this region, uh, uh, the great work they're doing gets it there much, much faster. The Tennessee Heart folks, I think, are averaging about 38, 39 minutes at this point all over the region. And so the whole intent is – Use an AED if one is needed. Uh, get that Carmen's Fund training and um, call 911 and get that process working as quick as quickly as possible. Yeah, these activities really do save lives. When you can respond appropriately, uh, you can save a life. I mean, it's that simple. You never know when it's going to happen, but chances are at some point uh, you're going to encounter a situation where you can respond and make a difference, whether it's AED or choking or uh, first aid or whatnot, uh, just having that little bit of knowledge c- can make a huge difference for maybe a family member or a complete stranger. You never know what you're going to find. So, And that fundraising that you do for Carmen's Fund or for the others, uh, it touches lives. It's it's not just raising money for the hospital. It's raising money that will affect a patient or affect a patient family. Yeah. All the funds that we have at the foundation are completely restricted. So uh, we don't take anything out for overhead or operating. So when folks give $50 to Carmen's Fund, it goes to help uh, pay for the instructors to teach the classes or to buy equipment that we need to teach the classes. When they give to the Cancer Fund, it goes to help cancer patients right here in our community. So all of the funds and programs are restricted to help uh, Upper Cumberland residents, and uh, all the gifts are 100% going towards uh, charitable programs and services. We are talking to John Bell, Executive Director of the Cookville Regional Medical Center Charitable Foundation, I guess is the official (laughs) mouthful title. Uh, And, John, we've talked about uh, Carmen's Fund and AEDs, and we've talked about uh, 
the diabetes program and and some of the partnerships going on there. But tell us about uh, how the foundation works with Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, obviously another big educational program throughout our state. Yeah, this is just a wonderful program, and um, it all traces back to to what Dolly Parton was was able to establish through her foundation. Um, Most folks are aware of Dolly's Imagination Library, but there is uh, the misconception that Dolly provides all the funding necessary. Um, She actually partners with the Governor's Books to Birth Foundation, and together they pay for half of the expense. They source the books and do the selection of of the quality books for young children, and they handle the delivery of those books. But it's up to each uh, county uh, to come up with the other half of the funding necessary to purchase those books from the publishers. So... um, the Putnam County Imagination Library is responsible for raising that money, and they are now under the uh, umbrella of the foundation. So um, uh, we, uh, we think it's just a wonderful partnership. Most of the kids who sign up for that program will have the opportunity to do that before they're discharged from Cookville Regional Medical Center. So the family receives those forms, and they can sign up there. Or many folks on the uh, Imagination Library Committee will go to other community events and try to sign up uh, pre-K kids, but there's a lot of research that indicates um, your child will improve dramatically as they enter school and have some pretty long-term effects on their um, their uh, abilities in school if you're reading to them at ages, you know, one, two, three, and then challenging them to start reading simple words as they're available pre-K. Uh, so uh, engaging in, in pre-K activities of, of reading and uh, sounding out words and just spending that time with your child, and, and the, the rule of thumb is 20 minutes a day, um, has pretty profound impacts on their uh, academic uh, career uh, throughout high school and beyond. Well, that's great. And uh, uh, with the Dolly Parton uh, library thing or the Imagination Library uh, activity, uh, does that group have a board of its own that works with the foundation? Yeah, they, they actually operate as a subcommittee of the foundation. So we have a separate group that's in charge of the program. Uh, most of our programs have subcommittees. Uh, so if you have a passion for one of these activities, we'd love to talk with you about potentially joining uh, on one of our subcommittees. So we have one for, say, music therapy. There's another one for pet therapy. There's, uh, uh, of course, the Carmen's Fund group. Uh, Imagination Library, and many others. So if you have a particular passion uh, and, and want to, to see uh, uh, health care and education change, we've got some opportunities for you at the foundation. Well, that's great. And it is fun over at the hospital to watch eyes light up when a pet walks into. And that program, as many of our programs, are entirely volunteer-driven. Uh, there's not staff actively engaged in pet therapy. That's a group of auxiliary or volunteers from the hospital um, that go through the certification process with their dogs and uh, take time out of their day to visit with patients. So um, we need more volunteers. We need more auxiliary members at the hospital. And there's a number of programs that that you could step into today where we have needs. You mentioned uh, uh, changing the subject to another element within educational partnerships. You mentioned uh, the hospice program or the, uh, the the program where you partner with the School of Nursing at Tech and 
and other agencies to bring hospice-related agendas uh, to this area. I guess we should say palliative care-related yeah, sure. agendas. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, hospice care is is still kind of a scary word in the Upper Cumberland, and uh, it doesn't have to be. Uh, hospice is really a very beautiful thing, and uh, if you have a loved one who's entering final stages of life or has a medical condition where um, um, they are going to need uh, pain management and they want to remain at home, um, hospice care is a beautiful thing. I've, I've, I've seen it firsthand uh, um, with um, my father-in-law uh, as he uh, went through uh, lung cancer and moved into hospice care, and it, they were a tremendous benefit. Uh, the foundation works with every hospice provider in a 14-county region, so all the ones you're familiar with, Avalon, Gentiva, and many others. And they call us when a hospice patient has a need uh, that they can't manage. So Avalon or Gentiva may have that patient on some type of charity program that they operate, but that patient's lights are about to be turned off. So they'll call the foundation and say, can you pay these utility bills to keep the patient in their home with the lights on? Or in the summer months, they may call and ask for a, a fan or an air conditioning unit, or in the winter, perhaps a heater. And so we're, we're able to uh, help them because of a hospice fund. So that fund will help patients, but it also provides some community education opportunities. And there's two primary focuses for the education aspect of the hospice fund. The first is a document called Five Wishes, which is an advanced directive document a uh, very simple thing. I think it's about six pages long. Um, we purchase a number of those a year, and we offer them for $1. So if you uh, don't have a uh, official will that lets your loved ones know what you want to happen, say if you're incapacitated, um, if you're on life support, or any of those other medical situations, we have a document at the foundation that we'll give you for a dollar that will help you go through step-by-step step answering those very important medical conditions. Who do you want making your medical um, decisions if you can't respond on your own? Uh, that kind of stuff. And it's an extremely important document because if you end up at a hospital, any hospital, and they don't have those type of directives, it's very hard to know what to do if your family members are arguing over what they think should happen next. So it, it makes things much easier. It's a great way to honor your wishes one way or the other. So I highly encourage folks to look at a five wishes document. The other is the um, uh, hospice conference. We try to operate every few years in partnership with the School of Nursing. And that's an opportunity for anyone in the public to come and learn a little bit more about hospice care. We'll bring in regional experts uh, from, from other areas. We'll bring in um, uh, staff from the nursing school, um, uh, professors there who are specialized in, in that area, hospice care and palliative care, and learn a little bit more about um, uh, what that program really can be. It shouldn't be, you know, moving into hospice the last week or two of life. This is a way to enjoy life for months or years, perhaps, and, and to make it what you want to be as opposed to uh, laying up in a hospital bed somewhere that you don't want to do. Well, it's a great program, and uh I'm in my 70s. I've completed that five wishes form. It's very simple. And the good news is it's recognized by medical practitioners and hospitals. So if you can enter it in your medical record, it, it will be there when they have to make those decisions. And uh, we encourage everybody to do that. 
This has been Local Issues. My guest has been John Bell, Executive Director of the Cookville Regional Foundation. John, we thank you for being with us today. Thank you.